United have to go to the St. Jacob Stadium in Basel, Baal, or Baal, and, uh, and get a point. I don't think that's an easy task at all. On the first, the Champions League preview episode of the Rankcast, you said you thought that we would win every single one of the games in this tie. I did. How wrong could I be? How wrong could I be? Of course, of course, not quite as wrong as previewing United's game against Basel, when, in fact, we were playing Benfica. Yeah, especially since I sort of knew we were playing at home, and uh, we've already played Baal at home. So so that was that was really incredibly stupid on our part. So, But, of course, we blame you entirely, right? That's the deal we made, isn't it? Blame you being the listeners. Yes, it was the listeners' fault, <laughs> and uh, don't do it again. Very, very naughty boys. So, let's go through the games that we've played, then. Uh, the Swansea game. Interesting game. Actually, no, no. Really, really, really uninteresting game uh, in many ways. Uh, 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 a pretty dull 1-0, but very effective, ground out the result, and that was a bunch of 1-0s on the bounce, which I- I've been saying to anyone who'll listen to me this week, if I was an opposition manager, I'd be very, very worried about the fact that Manchester United kept winning 1-0 every week. It- it's something that, you know, I mean, if you were Mancini, you would really be hoping that United weren't picking up all these points, I would imagine. Well, of, of course, but there's no guarantee that United are going to slip out of that funk and suddenly, and suddenly start banging six in a game. Well, except we always do at some point in the season. We always have these patches of very sort of average form and in order to and being able to kind of transcend the, the, the form and get the points means that if we do hit a purple patch at some point in the season then we'll be really well placed to take advantage of it. That's my glass half full. Yes, uh, that is the glass half full analysis of it and which will uh, look may well be true. The, the other way of looking at it is that uh, actually we overperformed in the first four weeks of the season. The uh, grinding out 1-0 wins is, is the best we're going to get this year because it's a slightly dysfunctional side with no midfield, central midfield quality of any kind whatsoever and we might actually go on a properly bad run where we lose a few games and City streak to a 12 point lead in the Premier League. That's the other uh, analysis of it. Sorry to be, you know, negative. I'm just balancing it out. And and of course there is no guarantee that United will go to Basel and and win. If we win, there's there's almost no chance we'll win the group anyway. So uh, we're probably looking at a draw. Ferguson will know that. Players will know that. They might go a bit timid. Sends the advantage to Basel and, and you know, defeat is possible. It is possible. First time since 2005 if we go out of the group stage. Yeah, I mean, it's a huge if though. I, I think we're, we're, we're extremely well placed to qualify for the group, from the group, yeah. you know. We have to get one point from our last game now. And, and United are fine away from home in Europe, at least. Yes, yeah, absolutely. I mean, if I was betting on it, I'd say United will pick up the point. Yeah, un- unlike City, of course, who Mancini gave what I consider a rather generous 30% chance of getting through to uh, the next stage of the Champions League after their loss in Napoli. Their loss, which was interesting because I think as the season progresses uh, domestically, you know, they've been, they've been going absolute gangbusters and everyone's sort of handing them the league title now. And in some ways, there's a degree of justification to all the plaudits they're getting. They've, they've had an extraordinary start to the season. That 11 from 12 wins, only dropped two points so far, scored staggering bunches of goals. Um, and they do look very impressive, but they haven't come under any pressure yet. No, no, they've barely played anyone of any decent quality. In fact, when they have done, they've, they've uh, struggled in Europe when they've played uh, some decent quality sides. So uh, we'll see that they do have to play, of course, to Chelsea twice, Arsenal twice, Liverpool twice. So, so there's lots more difficult games to come for City and a much bigger challenge, and it will really test how good they really are and how much they can fare under pressure. And they certainly haven't haven't uh, haven't met that expectation in Europe, have they? No, and and you know it's very hard when teams go into Europe first well, time. Well, yeah, you say that, although it's not like they're they're a team full of inexperienced players. No, but I guess that's probably enough about them. Um, what did you make of the game against? 
Swansea all in um, all. I, I, I mean, I thought it was a uh, it was a game that followed the pattern of similar games recently. You know, United, for actually for quite a bit of the time, you, Swansea played some very nice football. I mean, just they they really had no penetration. Did you kind of think that's going to be their downfall? They play in nice, pretty patterns, uh, use the ball well, and they they uh, have nothing up front. But I thought United are in control for most of it. This, despite Swansea having some good moments, I I never really felt that there was an, a chance United were going to lose that game. And obviously the early goal really helped. I think it helps out everyone's nerves. If there were any in the team, there's been a focus on making sure the defensive shape is right recently, save for the Benfica game, obviously. Fifth clean sheet in a row, uh, three in the Premier League, two in other competitions. So no, it, it felt like it was within the pattern of recent United performances. Yeah, it, it was It was a very interesting one in terms of how effective United were defensively. I, I thought actually Rio and Vidic had a rather Rio and Vidic esque performance it was sort of a little a bit heartening to see that we defended much better although of course there was that one unbelievable miss caused by a bit of a Phil Jones defensive lapse something which we'll come back to when we talk about the Benfica game I mean yeah Swansea Swansea do play very attractive football obviously and much has been spoken about that they know how to use the ball but they they do lack a bit up front but I I mean I do suspect they're going to stay up because their home record has been excellent and they made it very hard for United to beat them United's attacking play was very disjointed I thought in that game uh, Rooney didn't have a very good game um, maybe he was carrying an injury for some of that game yeah and, and it didn't quite work him and Hernandez it wasn't it wasn't just clicking no was it, it wasn't I mean I, I saw some reports that uh, listed him as playing in central midfield that really wasn't true I mean you know no. he, he, he played in a, a sort of you know shadow forward position which is where he started the season I, I, you know we've said many times I think he's probably his best position but he didn't have it he didn't have a great game there just seemed to be a lack of spark there and and obviously he had this hip problem uh, and I guess that that did hamper him for some part of that game at least so not not his best one but you know he's been struggling for attacking fluency in recent games hadn't they and and uh, that that was kind of where United were and against Swansea did enough but then it just did enough against Sunderland and against Everton and against Galati at home so um it's not as if that fell outside the bounds of norm no and I I just think it's huge to be doing enough when you're not playing well I think it's real you know it's, it's the cliche that the stuff that championships are based on and and since you know we, we none of our players have been in exactly sparkling form especially none of the players that we need to sparkle in order to be you know at our most special we, we really missed Tom cleverly already as, as we've discussed at length and I, I I just think it's it's been a really really significant run of results and I, I think we'll look back on these three games as nine vital points yes yeah. yeah let's let's hope so yeah I, I think I mean Ferguson's got some conundrums to solve here though hasn't he I mean it's it, it appears that he's either compromising United's attacking instincts or the defensive ones and that there's no there doesn't appear to be a good balance here and he talked about well before the Benfica game that they'd be knocked out of some rhythm because of injuries and that's true I mean he's had he's rotated the defence constantly because of those injuries uh, uh, but you know all that flowing attacking football of the, the late summer disappeared uh, after the City game hasn't it into a much more defensive mindset and a, this kind of mentality that we're going to grind it out that's fine but uh, you know a lot of that has led to some fairly turgid performances uh, with not much attacking spark can we find that balance that allows Wayne Rooney and Hernandez to perform at their best brings the best out of Ashley Young again who's kind of gone off the boil make sure Nani's in the game uh, and yet gives some protection to a back four which will change because Ferdinand is not going to play every game I mean he's played four in a row now but uh, can't see that continuing so there's, there's some challenges to meet there and the fundamental problem I mean go on and on about this is that there's just such a lack of quality 
in central midfield that at some point Ferguson is inevitably compromising something. That, I mean, that's, that's what I was thinking when you were saying, you know, which which side do you choose to compromise, attack or defence? And if you've got a really functional midfield, you don't have to compromise either. But we haven't got a really functional midfield at the moment. I asked for questions from uh, listeners on Twitter and many of you have obliged. So thank you very much for that. At Happy Hero, in fact, says just what has gone wrong with United's free-flowing play, play since our start to the season and, and you know it's it's that thing it's the midfield it really is but there's also there's also been a, a perhaps a little drop in form uh, for some of our front players Rooney Rooney's sort of gone slightly off the boil after coming out of the blocks absolutely flying as as you say Ashley Young's had a little dip uh, Welbeck and Hernandez have both had their trouble with injury haven't they yep. and of course Tom Cleverley has been been a huge miss but the, the other thing I want to say about the questions that we've had is masses of them are about our midfield that just many many different people asking who should we sign in for midfield who's available who's realistic at Nico 01 saying Quirand has said no midfielders are available who do you consider a serious option Mvia perhaps putting aside we have no money to spend who do you think is a realistic option in midfield that's fresher underscore Mike at Patrick Rowe 353 says with the midfield deficit approaching Greek proportions will Fergie dip into the market in January if so who should we buy so lots of people obviously very concerned about this particular issue it's the midfield stupid I mean I I don't know how it's it's almost criminal that Ferguson a didn't replace Roy Keane and then has failed to replace Owen Hargreaves. He's had two years to do that and five years in the former case. So um, I, I can't explain that. Uh, so that's on the defensive side of the midfield. On the kind of attacking side, well, you you could argue you had Paul Scholes and then cleverly, but in both cases, all eggs were in one basket. There's there's no other option. I mean, did he believe in Anderson? He certainly doesn't appear to believe him in, in him now. And and so it, yeah, I I've said this before I think it's a fundamental strategic error to go into the season believing that injury prone rookie Tom Cleverley would solve all United's problems it was just a mistake and, and we're, we're going to pay for it uh, so who, who could be available well, it's really difficult because all the best players are, are likely to be Champions League tied so uh, does Ferguson bring someone in in the middle of the season that will only be able to play domestic games uh, yeah, history says he probably won't history also says at least the last six years of history that we're not going to go and throw £30 million pounds at a player so you know the inevitable uh, names will come up you know people might say Mario Goetz who's he's just you know playing so well at the moment for Dortmund and, and in the German national type side would add a, an awful lot in an attacking sense but he's a young guy uh, does that take away from uh, Tom Cleverley's place should we go for someone a bit more experienced are they going to cost a lot on the defensive side you mentioned MVA fine player is, is he United class I you know I'm not sure people like uh, Walter Gargano of Napoli who's so good against City wasn't he completely bossed that midfield and uh, has been doing so in the Champions League. Uh, you know, he's a South American. Ferguson appears to have a little bit of a problem with them at the moment because he, he's had some bad experiences. So um, who knows? I, I actually have to say I don't know the answer to this one. I do know that for all Ferguson's central midfield options, they are not good enough. I mean, even if United do qualify, we're going to come second. Likelihood is that we'll play one of Inter, Bayern, Real or Barcelona. That's four. We'll probably have six or so options because we can't play anyone from our home pool. And that none of those size save perhaps for Inter who are having an on-off you know pretty hot and cold season I think United would be second favourites in all of those potential ties 
Uh, what do you think of Nani playing an attacking central midfield role when needed? Might give us creativity that we're lacking and free up Rooney at Mr. Gingerwig, a new listener to the rank cast, asks. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think I think that won't happen for the same reason that Ryan Giggs didn't play central midfield in his, his earlier years, not very often anyway, and that kind of bursty style uh, will leave, lead to a loss of possession. So I think it's very different playing on the wing, cutting inside, having shooting opportunities or crossing opportunities, playing a central midfield where you have to retain possession of the ball. Completely different skill. Uh, some players could do it, and I don't see, honestly, I don't see Nani as, as a player of that type. No, I think it's a positional awareness thing as well. It's a very different job. And also, I think you really lose a lot defensively if you put Nani on the wing, uh, on the through the centre, because Nani's really effective tracking back. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's one of the real good qualities of his game, I think, uh, which is why you can play a more attacking right back uh, when he plays on the right, actually, I think, because he, he does do a lot of defensive cover, as, as does Valencia, both good, good in that in that respect. Not quite the, the question that was asked, but uh, Valencia's going through a bit of a slump at the moment. It feels like he's, he's lost a lot of confidence. I mean, he came back from the injury, had a, had a really good end to the season, I thought. Obviously, he displaced Nani in the United side and, and he's not really had the opportunity to play many games this season so far but when he does he doesn't feel like a, the Valencia we know you know the Valencia who attacks the fullback and is prepared to go outside him and, 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 and at the moment he's running into a channel not beating the fullback not cutting inside and kind of stopping and passing back and it, it, it's not it's not the best of Valencia we know that I, I think he sort of in the last third of the game against Benfica he started to take on the fullback a lot more because I was you know people were talking about it and I, I just noticed it, it happened he, he seemed to sort of somewhat grow into that game it was really interesting and um, we've had a question from at Avancat10 asking whether we should continue with the formation we played against Benfica in all the big games uh, so far one man up front with Young just behind him and Nani on, and Valencia on the other flanks of course the advantage of that formation is there's a lot of flexibility Young and Nani and Valencia can all kind of interchange and create space for Rooney potentially or Berbatov as it was last night who actually I thought had maybe one of his better games ever as a as a, as a front one for United I, I do think that that formation has some potential and let's talk about the Benfica game because it was really really odd obviously a disastrous start and then the goals just completely swung the game once we'd scored we looked brilliant again we had 20 minutes where you know it was the best football we played since maybe the 8-2 against Arsenal uh, but then as soon as we made that massive mistake and let them straight back into the game all United's confidence and, and fluency seemed to flow out of the side again. You kind of thought the last 20 minutes that United would would really kind of go at Benfica and, and uh, go for a win or the last few minutes, whatever it was, and that didn't really happen, did it? It was it was kind of disappointing, I thought. And and again, defensive mistake that obviously Phil Jones, I mean, you can't really blame him entirely for the own goal. There plenty of other mistakes, specifically Patrice Evra in the wrong position. Um, so a mistake there. And then, and then three mistakes, really, for the second goal. Michael Carrick gave the ball away. Phil Jones with a dodgy back pass and, and David De Gea who perhaps in retrospect should have whacked into Rosette trying to pass out to a teammate and, and actually I thought it was fair on Ferguson not to blame he named De Gea but said he couldn't really apportion any blame because he's confident on the ball and tries to keep the game flowing and, and we've praised De Gea for that in the past so it's, it's hard to be too critical of him when he's tried that again yeah and I think he had an overall excellent game with one really significant mistake last night actually uh, you know yeah. I, I thought his general play was, was really good I, there, there were really a lot of positives from that game I thought I don't know I, I, I thought that 
Carrick had a, an, another excellent game. He was really good against Swansea as well. So it's two two really good games in a row from Michael Carrick, which is nice to see. Fletcher was impressive, and as you you said on Twitter, a midfielder gets ahead of the play and scores. What a shocker! Uh, some box to box action from Fletch, which we like to see. Part of the problem there, though, I mean, Carrick did have a fine game. I mean, four interceptions and a, a very healthy pass completion rate. Uh, almost none of his passes were forward. Right, fair enough. Look, he recycles play. They're all going backwards and sideways. And you know, I, I'm not just saying this and blowing smoke out of my ass here. You, know, you can you can see all the possession maps. It's good that there's enough stats nerds out there that we get all these tools. But but very few forward passes until the last sort of 15 minutes, and then he started misplacing passes. So that is, you know, he did a great defensive job, Carrick, and great job of recycling ball. No one was dictating the the, the play from central midfield though for United. I mean, you know, Fletcher. Yes, he got ahead of the ball, but he wasn't controlling the game. It's it's frustrating because it means United play is, is boiled down to chucking it out to the wingers, you know, and, and fine, but we could have so much more to our game. Sorry, I'm going on a rant about this, but it's really frustrating because it's so obvious. Yeah, no, I mean, you're right. You know, there's there's no question that you're right. I'm just trying to, to draw attention to some of the things that we've done well as well, because there's that, I mean, it, it is frustrating. United this season so far, and last season to a great extent as well, have been a frustrating side because they, they seem to be touching greatness. You know, they seem to be close to being something quite extraordinary but just a little bit short in some absolutely key areas by which obviously we mean central midfield I think the the Jones thing is interesting I've seen quite a lot of talk about it and people saying oh you know if Johnny Evans had made that mistake he'd be hung drawn and quartered by United fans and there's there's some truth in that there's obviously favouritism and stuff amongst football fans but I think you know Jones is very young and all, all inexperienced footballers make mistakes while they're learning their trade and he's got so much about him that I think he he kind of more than makes up for for those those errors, or certainly he will more than make up for those errors over the course of his career. Because I think that that the errors are probably yeah. likely to seep out of his game as he learns more and more and more about it. I think that's inevitable. I I, I really think that's inevitable. I mean, young central defenders do make mistakes. Rio Ferdinand it almost became a cliche. People talking about his lack of concentration. And I don't think anyone really talks about that anymore as it as he went through his career. Jones will get better as a central defender. He'll stop making mistakes. He has made some. And I think the comparison with Evans is kind of unfair, actually. You know, I, I read this that somehow there's, you know, some people are out to get there, the haters of Johnny Evans. No, it's it's simply that he does make a lot of mistakes. And he's had five years in the United side, uh, and some of that was out on loan. So uh, he's vastly more experienced than Phil Jones. He's four, more than four years older. And there's a different level of expectation, and uh, rightly so, I think. And, and you have to say, at what point does Evans progress? Because um, we, we had such an awful, awful season last year. Came into the side this season. Has played a lot of games this season. Started looking better and then you know, made some mistakes again. And you, you kind of think to yourself, well, at what point do you make a decision on him and say he's not good enough for United? Or, or do we carry on saying, you know, maybe he will? So I, I think that's where Evans is at. There's different level of expectations. That's why the criticism is, uh, is a bit harsher than on Jones. In three or four years' time, if Jones is still making these mistakes after he's played 150 games for United, then there'll be a different level uh, of criticism about Jones and we'll see in three, four years' time. It'll be, it'll be very interesting to see and of course one of the things that, that makes Jones's errors a lot more forgivable is how much he adds to our forward play. And it was just a couple of brilliant surging runs again that, that really could nearly have, have, have led to something magic. I mean, it, okay, you know, maybe maybe it's unfair to make that snap judgment but but he just appears to have you know class written all over him and, uh, and so in, in that sense it's easy to forgive the mistakes. Uh, I'm not sure 
well, they could have done much about the Angol, to be fair. I mean, it came in, and the stop, the cross should have been stopped. That's the first major error. And it then bounced off Evera, who was in the wrong position, and then, and then you know, hit Jones, and he's tried to put his foot out. I'm not quite sure what he should do. He's pretty much in the right position there. The second mistake, the back pass, which wasn't directly at De Gea. It wasn't a horrendous back pass. It wasn't great, but it wasn't horrendous. I think we probably need to temper our criticism there. Uh, it's, it's an interesting one. Um, our, our friend at Will Lum, uh, at Will underscore Lum, uh, did a brilliant bit of photoshoppery. Danny Welbeck, uh, which is worth having a look for. Danny Welbeck, born and bred. Uh, very very nice piece of work. He asks us who we think is the better player, Phil Jones or Chris Smalling. I think they're both great. What a brilliant problem to have. I mean, I, I suppose I think Jones is has the more natural talent. I mean, and by that, I mean, I mean all-round game, you know, those abilities ability to burst forward and his comfort on the ball the fact that he's so two-footed and, and all of that I just think there's a bit more class about him but Smalling's going to be a fantastic central defender let's uh, let's not pretend there's any criticism of Smalling in there I think he's progressed hugely nice to see him back as well I mean obviously he's been out for a while and it's nice to see him get a, a short run out against Benfica yeah, uh, on his birthday as well uh, yeah and, and I just think they're both fantastic I love the fact that they could be United's central defensive pair- pairing in a couple of years this is part of Ferguson's challenge isn't it I mean, I mean the the class of ninety two are almost all but gone. Yeah, you know, save for Ryan Giggs, he's he's going to have a, a very small part to play this season. You know, his next challenge is to merge the the older guard of the defence, Ferdinand Vidic, Vidic, you know, thirty now, Ferdinand thirty three, Evra thirty thirty one this season, uh, with the new guard, the, the Silver Twins, Jones, Smalling, Evans, maybe, and and obviously the Herring goal. So that that over the course of the season, I think the old guard will blend out. I mean, Vidic will play a very key part, but but we'll see whether. Ferdinand's still at the club after the summer and, and I think we're kind of moving towards that aren't yeah, we? Yeah uh, we are indeed uh, Ferdinand it's interesting because at the beginning of the season I was really worried about Rio and I did say you know it, it does sometimes take him a while to come back from injury he looks good again he looks yeah I'm, I was pleased and one absolutely sumptuous pass yesterday it's a really weird game that Benfica game was so weird because you know when I think back on it I think of all these things that United did really well a few really nice moments used the ball really effectively created a whole bunch of chances Dimitar Berbatov scored in the Champions League first time in three years took his goal really well Pablo Imar scored of course his first goal in seven years in the Champions League so not such a bad run from Dimi I'm pretty sure Pablo Imar wasn't in Europe for all of that time but still you know there were some there was a lot to like about the performances and and Benfica's goals did both come from United pretty glaring United yeah look United boss possession for the most part and looked very good in attacking I mean Ferguson was quite frustrated wasn't he by some of the questioning in a post-match press conference I guess we'll come on and have a chat about that but the suggestion that United didn't play well I mean he, he said you don't always get what you deserve and we didn't deserve what we got and and in many senses if you took the if you take the game as a whole United were the better side I mean there was some nice football for a lot of it but the real sense of disappointment comes in the yeah, a the defensive mistakes and the fact that in the last sort of part of the game United didn't really go for the jugular and didn't really just didn't give enough that you thought yeah they really deserve to win that game I, I kind of agree but you know I, word word for Dimitar Berbatov I, I, th- I mean he, he missed one opportunity at the end but it's pretty harsh to kind of slag off a player for not scoring with a volley that dropped over his shoulder you know <laughs> not an easy skill by any stretch of the imagination but all in all I, I thought it was a pretty superb performance from Berbatov obviously you can't really take my opinions on Berbatov too seriously because I am massively massively biased yes, uh, I, I mean I'm not sure I'm not sure that as the 
lone front runner he did enough I mean if you put Wayne Rooney in there he'd have given a lot more in terms of running through the channels and, and harassing the fullbacks and all of that you know until Berbatov scored I'd, I'd almost forgotten he was part of the game so he I, I, he had an okay game he scored you know it's uh, first time in three years and one month I mean I think it was his 23rd game in Europe since his last goal so uh, good good for him there and a, a nicely taken goal glanced glanced in off the head there and yeah, I think he did okay not his best game not his worst game somewhere in the middle uh, not bad uh, I mean somewhat surprising that he was chosen ahead of Hernandez in a way since Hernandez scored at the weekend and, and I suppose Ferguson's thinking that, was that given that United were effectively playing one up front that uh, Berbatov would give a bit more presence than uh, than the Mexican yeah and, and him and Ashley Young hooked up nicely I mean he didn't he didn't just score he also created a few opportunities used the ball really well around the box was very creative all those sorts of things so obviously, it, you know, it wasn't like a world-beating performance, but it was just nice to see him play well and be used. And of course, Fergie said he's going to give him another year on his contract. Yes, well, they will do that because there's no point in letting him go on a free. I don't think that that has any guarantees about whether Berbatov will still be here post the summer. No, OK, fair enough. At MUFC, Jeff says he's appalled that Fergie has taken the Champions League so lightly. Qualify first and then mess yeah, about. Yeah, th- this is a fair criticism, I think. And uh, I don't know whether I'm appalled, but it's true. I mean, you know, he went to Benfica uh, rotated somewhat and, and if he hadn't done that and we'd come away from the Stadio de Luth uh, with a the victory for example we wouldn't be talking about potential failure to qualify right now let, let alone the fact that United are almost inevitably going to finish second yeah, I mean yeah I, mean, I think it's fair to say inevitably because for Galati to, to beat Benfica would be an absolutely enormous yeah it, I mean it's it's not going to happen is it yeah no it's not and, and goal difference doesn't make any difference does it because they've got a better head-to-head against Head-to-head us. record counts, yeah, not goal difference, uh, which, which is a strange kind of Euro quirk, I think. I actually think uh, goal difference is more important. Yeah, should be a more important break. I mean, encourages, yeah, even if it's only a minor thing, encourages teams to attack. But, you know, that, that small bugbear aside, yeah, United, uh, are hoping for Glassy to go to Lisbon and win, so it's, it's not going to happen, is it? Let's be honest. So, a second round tie against, against, as I said, Inter, Bayern, Real or Barcelona is almost inevitable. I mean, there's a couple of options in there that that could happen I mean we can't play Chelsea or Arsenal or City I mean City not going to finish top of that group are they but we can't play Arsenal or Chelsea uh, there's a there's an option for playing uh, one of the second place teams there as a kind of fallback position in the way UEFA does the draw so we could in theory get by Leverkusen or Marseille be a nice draw even better if Apoel Nicosia from Cyprus win that group we could get a nice trip Cyprus would be very nice uh, uh, that's um, no guarantee of that of course Apoel playing Zenit and Shakhtar in the final two games. Well, the worst case scenario of Barca or Real would be very, very tough on United. I think. <laughs> yeah, and I've seen a few people say, uh, "Well, you have to, you know, you're going to have to play these teams at some stage, uh, or and maybe we'd have a better chance of beating Barcelona over two legs." Really, Camp Nou with Barcelona and 75% possession. Uh, I'm not sure about this. It's completely different, completely different to playing them four years ago when we actually did manage to shut them out twice. Yeah, we had an interesting question on our email from a chap called Alpha RS. I suspect perhaps not his real name uh, talking about our comments on England playing anti-football against Spain I think that was you that called it anti-football Ed 
And, and I don't think we were necessarily being critical of England for that. We were just sort of saying that's the way they had to do it, you know, t- to win. And, and But Al- Alpha was saying perhaps that the way that because Barcelona are tactically and technically better than United, what tactics and style of play should United deploy in order to beat Barca if not anti- anti-football? And before the Champions League final last season, we were very hopeful that he would go for it and play 4-4-2 and play a really high-pressure game with Fernandes and Rooney starting and, and just go for it because we didn't think United could even probably contain Barcelona playing anti-football so why not try and stretch the play which worked for six minutes or something and, and then I was thinking back to the games a couple of seasons ago where we beat them with the Paul Scholes screamer yep. and we did play very very defensively yeah, yeah. Very, very much so in both legs actually so I, I don't know looking back to the Euro Cup final I don't know that it made any difference if United had tried to set up like that maybe I mean this is Spain's struggles in, uh, in friendlies at least over the last sort of 18 months or so have, uh, have almost always come with teams playing playing that kind of defensive formation as one writer put it England didn't only park the bus but camped out in it it was incredibly incredibly defensive but, and some teams done that Inter famously a couple of years ago very successful against Barcelona by playing so defensively they didn't even try to retain possession they just kicked it out into Rosette all the time I'm, I'm not sure that would be good enough I'm not sure I mean I don't think United can bet their European future on that either so um, and, and it's not just Barcelona Real are playing some fantastic football at the moment and 6-2 I mean the first two goals they conceded in this this year's competition blinding blinding quality before that uh, Ronaldo didn't even play in that game been on absolute fire this season Bayern have a really high quality side this season it seems I, I'd uh, back them to go some distance in the competition and Inter still got plenty of quality even if they're not playing very well in Sierra ah. yeah I mean actually I think Inter would be a completely fine draw I think we're much better than Inter the, the, the park the bus thing we, we don't have the personnel in the way that Mourinho's Inter did to park the no, bus no I mean we, we have nobody destructive in central midfield that we could put in there I mean it, it would be a case of probably I mean you know, hi, hypothetically Wayne Rooney playing up top on his own Park and Valencia on the, on the wide players to, to give you know lots of defensive options and, and Carrick Fletcher and uh, Ian other in central midfield so potentially even Jones yeah I was going to say you know, Jones. so you could you could pick a formation that would you know the most defensive United could possibly get and kind of toss a coin and hope it came down in your favour I'm, I'm not sure I, I would back United to, to be victorious playing that way one of the, the the key differences between Spain and Barcelona I mean I think Barcelona are quite a lot better than Spain because they've got Leo Messi yeah. and it's much easier to park the bus I really don't like that expression it's much easier to play extremely defensive anti-football if the world's best attacking footballer isn't on the other side because he can do magic things to defences anyway that that's for the new year at hopefully if if United do get through that, that game against Basel in a couple of weeks time and for the nearer term a game against high-flying Newcastle at the weekend. Uh, our friend at Brie underscore Red Ant, who is listening to us from Barbados, for which we're not at all jealous. I don't know why we would be. Wants us to point out that we're playing Newcastle this weekend, not Aston Villa. Fair enough. <laughs> yep, we are playing Newcastle at home, high-flying or not high-flying. If that isn't three points to United, I don't know what yes, is. Yes, and uh, obviously Newcastle came down to earth for something of a bump last weekend, being by Manchester City. So uh, you'd say that it'd be three points 
points. United at Old Trafford, all that. I mean, they're, they're playing some good football. They actually, they're a very good defensive union at the moment, Newcastle. And I think um, that City game aside, they've, that's what they've built their success on this season. So I, by no means an inevitable three points for United. But yeah, if you were gambling, you'd say, of course. Uh, big question mark over Wayne Rooney. Got this hip problem. Ferguson said that he might not make it back. He'll give him every chance. It doesn't sound very hopeful to me. And United lose an awful lot when Wayne Rooney's not inside. Doesn't matter where he's playing. United lose an awful lot. Yeah, I mean, I, I hope that when he comes back, he finds his proper form again, which I'm, I'm sure he will. Well, he has to play. He has to play where he, he has to play, right? You know, he's had he had three games in central midfield. He's been moved around. United's formation has changed constantly, and 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 the tactics and all of that. So let's let's hope that United play a nice attacking side with Rooney fit in the hole behind Hernandez, and Carrick will get a game because he's playing well, and and who knows, will be partnered alongside him, I guess, Fletcher. But but I just hope that at least the good things that came out of the Benfica match are uh, kind of transposed into domestic form and we actually really put in a decent performance against Newcastle yeah it's definitely on the cards it's definitely a possibility but yeah I mean Newcastle are playing very well this season they, they've very solid defensive unit very consistent defence same same players every game and some some decent attacking options uh, some very talented midfielders in that Newcastle side they've they've done that off the back of selling some, some good players haven't they and uh, yeah, having a pretty odious owner who not only uh, sells the best players, pockets the money, and then renames the stadium, which has been there for over a hundred years. So uh, you kind of feel sorry for the Newcastle fans in a way. I mean, they are, as has become the cliche, very passionate, do love their football in the northeast. Uh, years and years of utter failure and mismanagement, uh, and uh, I guess you know, in 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 many clubs that would have revised the expectations downwards not a Newcastle where they expect and demand success all the time so in a way uh, this season is reward for for years of waiting uh, I, I don't expect that they'll actually finish where they are now you know in the top six or so but but you know they're pretty pretty good performance today no absolutely and you know I mean they've had they've been favored by the fixture list haven't they they've they've had a really nice solid start to the season but they've not really been tested yet uh, and their first really big game well actually they did play Arsenal but that was at home when Arsenal were really 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 stuttering early in the season but you know they they their first very serious test and then they got sort of hammered by city didn't they really their mid mid table quality outfit that's, that's overachieved so far and and that will probably be where they finish but still you know very very good very good start for them and that does mean that united will face a, a tough game especially if if Rooney is out clearly vidic will be back i'd think and and it might it might be time to give ferdinand a rest because he's played four games in a row now which is unusual for ferdinand yeah and he could potentially have uh, an entire week's rest as well because our midweek game might see uh, the return of some of our kids probably as substitutes but it's a Carling Cup tie against the mighty Crystal Palace before we get to our preview of that game we have a very important question from at Candy Kirkwood what is your favourite gelatin based dessert you ask for questions on Twitter this is occasionally the type of thing that happens I did not specify that they should be football related I really don't like gelatin based desserts for a start I'm vegetarian so actual gelatin is, is totally out for me but I've never liked your jellies or your tapiocas or semolina pudding or anything like that. Uh, they, do, they do a nice thing in the States called Jello, which, you know, there's a jelly one, but there's also a series of, of Angel Delight style frothy puddings, which are, which are pretty nice. I like the butterscotch one. No, no good. I, yes, my favourite dessert in general, if you're wondering, is alcohol-free Christmas pudding. Mm. There you go. That's my favourite dessert. And it's, it's nearly Christmas, so hooray, I get to eat it. As, as my, my rule is, as soon as the Stretford End starts singing Five Cantonals, I get to start 
start eating Christmas pudding. I'm, I'm sure I've had it already, but yeah, no, there you go. No, I have, absolutely. That's what I mean. It's, it's, it's been broken out. It came out towards the end of October. Well, that's fine. Uh, we'll probably hear some of that against Crystal Palace in the Carling Cup. Yes, we um, will. Who, who, who will play in that game? It's an interesting one because, I mean, I guess we'd, we'd thought for years that the Carling Cup was a, a chance to blood some youngsters. Not anymore. It's a chance to give minutes to the squad players, as has been the Champions League, and we've paid for that. Yeah, I mean, it's normally uh, Ickle, Mickey, Owens, uh, opportunity to score a couple and keep up his goals to games ratio. Unfortunately, he's crocked, so he won't play. And I, I, I guess there's a few players that haven't had many minutes recently. I mean, Park and Berbatov, perhaps. Dioff will, unfortunately, probably get a game. It would be nice to see some of the youngsters play. I mean, in theory, Morrison, Petrucci and Priors were all in the Champions League squad, although they didn't make the bench at all. So they might all get some games. Uh, obviously, Paul Pogba is in the middle of a contract dispute at the moment. Uh, it'd be nice to see him get a game. Will we see Federico Machado, who appears to have either died or fallen off a cliff somewhere? <laughs> <laughs> he, it, that would be nice. He, he, uh, I think he got some time in the reserves, didn't he, the other week? He, he's had a bit of injury problems as well, but, you know. Poor lad has been completely forgotten. Darren Gibson will probably play. He, he made the Boom. bench. For, yeah. Boom goes the G-bomb. What was that about? How did Darren Gibson end up on the bench? I, I mean, from absolutely nowhere to the Champions League bench. Yeah. I think he's, he's nailed on for the Crystal Palace game, I reckon. Yeah, I reckon. Raphael, of course. Raphael might play. He he's he was on the bench for the the Euro game as well. Hasn't played at all this season uh, after that injury. Be lovely to see him. Lovely to see him. Not not so lovely to see the G bomb. A little bit bizarre, but I suppose they need to get him in the shop window before January, don't they? Yes, that that famous shop window. That is the home tie against Crystal Palace. Is it a home tie? It is, isn't it? Yeah. It is. It is. I I mean I I'd imagine that Morrison won't start, but I would be surprised if, assuming that that, that game's going to plan, we don't see an appearance from Morrison if we don't I imagine it's sort of some kind of punishment for some unseen off the field activity <laughs> yeah how, how, is there a player whose tweets are more overanalyzed than Ravel Morrison so uh, he, he he tweeted uh, it might be a good day tomorrow at which point there was a deluge of speculation about whether he'd be in the United side to face uh, Benfica as it turns out he wasn't even in the squad he just was thinking it might be a nice day fair enough yeah uh, maybe he's just really a big fan of Portuguese football he, he might well be yeah Pogba you say he's in the middle of a contract dispute seems somewhat serious I, I wasn't really taking it seriously at first but uh, apparently it's maybe slightly affecting his form as well he's not been quite as dominant in the reserves as he was in the in the youth set up the season before yeah they need to sort this one quickly I mean if they do do believe in Pogba they need to sort out sort out the contract I mean I guess uh, I mean look the the he's got new representation recently which which always always makes things a bit more difficult so I'd think there's two two things going on here you know one does the player believe he's going to get an opportunity at United um, I'm quite sure Ferguson will reiterate quite loudly that he's he's one that he believes in he's said that before unfortunately he hasn't actually given him a chance in the in the team uh, d- two Pogba probably sees the quality of our central midfield and thinks uh, hang on I could do some of that uh, three uh, he his representatives are probably asking for quite a lot of money based not on genuine performances for the first team of course but on reputation and uh, that's that might be where they're at loggerheads I mean if they're asking for five figures per week or something that that might be a problem yeah it, absolutely it's it's an interesting one it'll be interesting to see how it plays out for sure and it, it, it's a difficult balance isn't it because on one hand the club has to make him feel valued and special uh, but then not overpay you've got to say oh we totally believe in you and think you're going to be a first team player but oh, we're not going to pay you first team players wages until you've proved it you know it's a balancing act isn't it Ab- absolutely I mean, it, it would be nice to see 
see him get some game time. I mean, for that for that very reason, to show him that he is wanted at the club. And then, and then the financials, well, I hope they sort it. I mean, if they don't, and he goes elsewhere, I mean, we've seen a lot of stories, and, and uh, they are clearly all planted by his new representatives. So I believe that Arsenal will put in a bid of Manchester City, or, you know, why you'd go to City and, and uh, spend the next three years in the reserves before being shipped out on loan everywhere else. Uh, I, I don't know. That makes no sense to me at all. Uh, Arsenal, will he get any more chance there than he would at United? No, probably not. So um, I think these, these are you know, non-stories planted by his representation. Uh, hopefully they sort it all out because he is certainly a talent. Yeah, it would, I, it would be remiss of us not to thank uh, the very kind people that have chucked us up a review on iTunes. Kofi Nyadu, Richard Greenwood and Mark Pudd with some really fantastic reviews. M- much appreciated. It's 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 nice. We're, we're on the march back up to five stars. So uh, thank you for that. I don't, I don't know if that's even possible, by the way, once you've got a one-star review, if you can ever get back to five stars again. Maybe it's an impossible dream. Well, statistically impossible, of course, to, to average it out at five stars. I'm not quite sure how Apple does their rankings. But, you know, whatever. Whatever. It, thank you very much for the kind words. It is appreciated. Uh, you know, the nice email bag and Twitter at, at United Rant or at UTD Rantcaster. Mo- mostly nice comments. The the odd one questioning our parentage and, and that kind of thing. One last question before we go. At SKT1994, which, by the way, I think is his year of birth, which makes us both old men. Dear at UTD Rantcast, please settle an argument for me and my friend. Who is a better manager of all time, Ferguson or Mancini? Well, you know, I know that I know the big Scott's done well over his career, but but this up and coming youngster, I don't know. All he's you know he's managed to take a team that have never achieved anything, get them to have the best start to a Premier League season ever. It's pretty impressive. I would have picked Ferguson if his name was Fergicini, but no, absolutely not. No, yeah, yeah, it's it's Mancini and the blue noses all the way for me. Obviously, <laughs> clueless glory hunters. Yeah. Uh, all right, well, Ed, it's been an absolute pleasure doing the rankcast with you. It's that time of the show where we predict what happens in games which United may or may not be playing in the following week. <laughs> yes, I think United versus old wanderers and Etonians. <laughs> no. So I'm going to go for a 2-0 win to United over Newcastle and 3-1 against Crystal Palace. What do I think? I think that we're going to beat Newcastle. I think 2-1 is probably a reasonable result. And I think we'll beat Crystal Palace 3 or 4-0. 3-0. I'll go 3-0. Very good. Well, uh, let's hope that happens. Uh, two of those positive results, whatever the scores, and we'll see you all next week.